We, we like to call ourselves uh, Rose Rock mm-hmm. occasionally. Rose Rock? Yeah, yes. sleep folk. Mm, sleep folk. That's good. <laughs> music to procreate to yeah. and oh, study okay. to. Yeah, these are the things that we call, yeah. we describe our music as. Like nobody's working out to Penny and Sparrow. Like At least to the best <laughs> of our knowledge, nobody's getting a good pump yeah. while they listen Unless to Unless your, your workout is a stroll. Welcome back, everybody. It is episode 228 of Bourbon Pursuit. I'm Kenny, and here's the news. The dates for the Kentucky Bourbon Festival 2020 have been announced. It will take place on September 16th through September 20th of 2020. The festival, which draws novice and experienced bourbon lovers to Bardstown, Kentucky every year, will celebrate the storied history of distilling America's native spirit during National Bourbon Heritage Month. Tickets for the Kentucky Bourbon Festival will be made available for purchase during the summer, so make sure you continue to visit Kentucky Bourbon Festival at kybourbonfestival.com to stay up to date on all the latest festival happenings and developments. Now for some Pursuit Series news. Episode 15 is now hitting retail shelves across the state of Kentucky. If you're interested in getting a bottle, pay attention because here's the small list of stores that our distributor gave us so you can go out and find your own. Westport Whiskey and Wine, The Party Source, Go Big Blue Liquors, Depp's Fine Wine, Ernie Spirits, Blind Pig Bourbon Market, The Brown Hotel, and The Brown Barrel. We appreciate all the support if you're going out there and buying a bottle, and we hope to bring more here in the future as well. Now, it's a sad day in the bourbon world, because Blake from Bourboner.com has announced that he's retiring his Pappy release map. It's something that many people around the country, including myself, used over the years to kind of know when Pappy was going to be hitting in my state. And Blake, he puts it all out there in his latest article, that it's time to stop because there's a rare chance that you will ever get it. And if you do, the odds are you are not gonna be paying MSRP. He also kind of throws a quick jab in there saying that Sazerac really isn't doing anything to prevent counterfeits, nor are they doing anything to stop stores or distributors from playing this game. And you can read more about this in his article within our show notes. Now for today's podcast, I met Andy and Kyle, the guys that are behind the band of Penny and Sparrow for the first time back at the 2019 Forecastle Music Festival in Louisville, Kentucky. I won't ruin the beginning of the podcast for you, but besides being great musicians and also being incredibly funny, these guys are also really into bourbon. And I'm going to anticipate that after you listen to the stories that these two have to tell about their life on the road, their creation process, and of course, their love for bourbon, you're going to become a fan as well. Now, it's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. We're coming up on the holidays. What a wonderful time of year. You have your family and your friends together, and you crack open the cork. You pour a little bourbon in your glass. You sip by the fire. It's so magical. It's so wonderful. I absolutely love the holidays. But here's the, here's the kicker of it all, is that... It is not easy to buy bourbon for people anymore. For God's sakes, I'm trying to figure out what to get some of my friends who I always get bourbon, and they get everything already. So here's my recommendations for what to buy your friends who are bourbon fans. Come down to Kentucky or find someone who's in Kentucky 
and buy private barrel selections. I mean, truly and honestly, those are the best possible gifts that you can get because they are unique. They are unique to that particular store. And if you don't know what a private barrel selection is, it's when a liquor store or a club goes to the distillery and they actually select a barrel of bourbon that is bottled specifically for them. You'll see their sticker on it. And then when you give that as a gift to somebody, you can tell them, you know, that's one of only 75 or 200 bottles of that bourbon. And when that bottle's gone, you'll never have any of it again. And in fact, you don't have to go to uh, Kentucky. You'll find that uh, whether it's a total wine or a local liquor store in your market uh, or a big chain like uh, Kroger, you'll find that there are excellent private barrel selections there. Just walk up to the cash register and say, hey, do you have any private barrel picks? And if they look at you like you're crazy, you know you're in the wrong store. So hopefully by now, if you're listening to this podcast, you've already found your bourbon store. And if you don't have your bourbon store, just ask us in the comments where you should be shopping. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, if you have an idea for Above the Char, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. Hey, even my YouTube. Just search my name, Fred Minnick. Until next week, cheers. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean, instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long.
Welcome back to the episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Kenny here today, just uh, in the basement recording studio, but this is going to be an opportunity that we rarely get. I mean, it's an opportunity where we are trying to find new guests that um, are able to bring a, a new dynamic to the podcast. You know, we've had WWE superstars on before, and today we're going to have a music artist on that uh, many of you have maybe heard of, and if not, you're going to learn more about them today. But I kind of want to tell a quick story of how we all kind of got connected here. So, you know, we're starting to get involved with a lot of more music festivals and, uh, you know, Forecastle, Bourbon and Beyond, and so on and so forth. And when you do that, you get put on a media list. And with the media list, you kind of get spammed with a lot of uh, band managers and PR people. And it's usually pretty generic. Uh, sometimes it'll say like, hey, and then there'll be like a variable that says like dollar sign, insert name here. And it says like, you got to meet these people. They're great. You can see you can see them on stage at this time. And let me know if you want a chance to have them on your podcast or have them on your, you know, maybe in your newspaper or article because they don't really tailor it. It's just, you know, just something generic that goes out. But, you know, shout out to Joe. Uh, Joe's the PR manager for Penny and Sparrow. And he sent me a a very personalized email and it kind of started off and saying like, oh, hey, like, listen, these guys are actually like really into bourbon. And that's kind of what kind of kicked us off because usually people say, you know, like, you got to have them on. I'm like, okay, sure. What are we going to talk about? Uh, music? Is that it? Because if we don't have any shared interest in bourbon, this is going to be a pretty, pretty lame for a bourbon podcast. And so we took an opportunity. I said, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Let's go meet these guys. So we had an opportunity to sync up at Forecastle after their set. And we talked. And I mean, we talked for probably a solid 30 minutes there. And I think we, we there, was, there was magic. I mean, there's just something was happening, right? All, all the stars were aligning. And, uh, and we really kicked it off. And these guys are huge bourbon nerds. They're really into it. Plus, they make great music. And so I'm happy to be able to introduce uh, these two guys to the show. So today, we've got Andy Baxter and Kyle Yankee. They are the duo behind Penny and Sparrow, which has been featured in Rolling Stone. And they're also came out with the, the latest album, Finch. So, fellas, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Greetings to you, constant listener. <laughs> so, you know, I, I can't, we, we usually like talk about bourbon like as we usually go into this. Like it's because, you know, we usually have a master distiller or somebody coming on. But, you know, you guys bring a different dynamic to this. So we'll talk about bourbon here in a little bit. I kind of want to learn more about you all. Like talk about the origins of the band. Um, maybe talk a little bit more about the type of music you all do as well, because I know it's kind of, it's like folk music, maybe a little like iron and wine mixed into it. Kind of talk about like where you all get your, you know, your yeah. vibe and everything. Folk music, iron and wine is very, very good. A good comparison. We, we like to call ourselves uh, rosé rock mm -hmm. occasionally. Rosé rock. Yeah, yes. sleep folk. Mm, sleep folk. That's good. <laughs> music to procreate to yeah. and oh, study okay. to. Yeah, these are the things that we call, yeah. we describe our music as. Like nobody's working out to Penny and Sparrow. Like At least to the best <laughs> of our knowledge, nobody's getting a good pump yeah. while they listen Unless to Unless your, your workout is a stroll. Yeah. Because that is what we, we can provide a good stroll soundtrack. We can do that. Uh, we started doing music in college uh, because I needed a place to stay. My wife knew this guy and 11 other guys that lived in this huge house that was basically a, a shithole frat house. Mm -hmm. um, There's nothing wrong frat. with that, by the way. Not at all. <laughs> I'm just letting you know this was that many people in a small space with very little uh, air conditioning. It was filthy. It was filthy. So I moved in, and Kyle and I pretty quickly found out that we both liked music and both sounded pretty okay when we sang together. Mm -hmm. And man, the rest, as they say, is sort of history. We just kept plugging along and 
on a small home rig that his mom and dad got him for Christmas, we recorded our first song with the sheer expressed intent of having music that our kids could someday listen to. And here we are eight years later with no kids, but six <laughs> albums. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Well, one day they'll listen to it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, if if yeah. we procreate, then yeah. yeah, they'll be able to hear it. They'll be able to, they'll be able to get down on it. Yeah. But I mean, the, you're all's vibe, like what you all do, it, you know, I think I read that you make serious songs, but you're not very serious people. Right. And that's kind of like, like the, the kind of vibe yeah. you all put. I mean, we were down here talking before we started recording here and we I mean, we're just cracking jokes left and right. So kind of talk about the music, like where the inspiration comes from, the lyrics, everything like that. Uh, yeah, we that's I mean, what we mainly try to do is uh, write basically autobiographical songs, things that we're working through, things that would be cathartic to us. Um, but that's usually the more internal stuff. Um, which is great. I mean, we talk about it all the time. It's the, the deeper conversations Andy and I have. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, we don't live in that part of our, we, we have, I feel like the majority of what we do is, um, as humans is just lighthearted. Yeah. And I remember years ago when we started doing this, we, we started taking ourselves really seriously on the front end, right? Like we were, we, Featured ourselves being serious guys writing heartfelt music with good lyrics. and At least we'll, on stage, yeah. yeah. And so we'd, <laughs> we'd show up to these shows and then we would, you know, barely move an inch and not talk and not laugh in between songs just to try and, you know, sing our ass off. And then I remember my dad talking to us after a show one time and more or less said, Jesus Christ, let him come up for air. <laughs> and I think the point he was getting at was like, look, this isn't who you are when you're not on stage. Like, this is sort of more of a character you're creating this overly serious you know mm -hmm. facade so just do you you see like did i i did raise an overly sensitive son right. is that what happened well the, he definitely he raised did. an overly sensitive son <laughs> that is true he, he did do that <laughs> but he also raised a, sort of a, a a goofball as did his old man and so for what it's worth it, it felt so much more free just to be the same person on stage and off so the same dumb shit jokes that we make in the van is what you get here on a podcast is what you get on stage when we do a show. And that feels really nice. Yeah. I mean, I had the opportunity last night to go and check you guys out on the show because you guys are doing your, uh, your nationwide tour right now. And I know it's going to be finished by the time this, this wraps up. But it's funny because you all, I mean, exactly, exactly what you just said, right? It's, it's serious songs. And then you all bring this different vibe to it where you're like, you try to bring it up lifting. I mean, uh, at one point, Andy, you're doing this thing of like, all right, let's get the clap. Let's get the beat going. And then you would raise your hands slowly, slowly. And you'd said, as I raise my hands, I want to see your hands in the air. And then when I make like this uh, musical cue of like, stop, everybody stop. Nope, I don't want to hear a peep. And, and, and did we, a great job too. It's yeah. really impressive. Yeah. And I think I even told him, when I do that, I want you to shut the hell up. Yeah. Which is aggressive to say to a crowd of paying customers who came to see you do a thing, but it really, just the point needs to be gotten across. And they do, they went into it. It's awesome when people are, I mean, maybe it's because it's bourbon country and everybody was slightly hammered, but they really, they bought in, which is nice. Yeah. I was about to say, how many venues do you go to? And there's like four roses posters just blasted everywhere over it, like when we were at headliners last night. <laughs> oh, dude, it's, this is a different chunk of the country. Okay. Like people here get the brown water and they're down with it as are we. But I feel like we had three gifted bottles to us last night and they were all good. Oh, really? Yeah. They were all nice. We had an Eagle Rare. We had a... A Woodford, uh, Double Oak, um, I'm forgetting one from uh, another distillery, but we, we got gifted these bottles and it was like, man, it pays to play in Louisville. Yeah. It's so good. 
Well, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. free bourbon is always the best bourbon. It, it tastes, tastes great better. bourbon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it tastes better. Yeah. I mean, that's what we were down here too. We were, we were sitting there sampling from my bar before we started here. We had started off with some dusties, and I think we got we got Booker's Rye here is what we're sampling on right now. So that's a fact. And mm-hmm. constant listener, you should know that we are in a layer. It's not just a studio. We are in a bourbon layer. There is lighting fixtures made out of barrel hoops. There are thousands of bottles surrounding us. Thousands. <laughs> like if. It's a powder keg in here. One errant match, and the, the whole block's going up in flames. Yeah, but. we're going to make sure we don't have a gas leak a little bit later. Yeah, just try right. yeah. positive of that. <laughs> and so, you know, the music is is fun, and it's interesting, and, and you all have been going. And I kind of want to talk a little bit more about, you know, the road and the tour, because I'm sure you've got fans. I remember there was one fan last night, and I think she tried standing up or waving. She was She was on the right side about five rows back, and every song she was just going crazy. What's your craziest like fan moment that you've had? Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good one. Uh, you know, Skid Row comes to mind. Yeah. Skid Row probably comes to mind. Most likely that. Me and Andy, with a fan um, who loved our stuff, uh, the, the man had had a few too many drinks and was kind of shifting between being uh, extremely excited and happy to see us like j- uh, tears of joy seeing us and telling us how much he loved us to literally almost throwing punches at us. Oh, he wow. had some, he had some, uh, just Jekyll and Hyde going on while we were there. Oh, he was a psychopath. It was, mm-hmm. And he shall remain nameless, but he went by, well, actually this is not on his birth certificate. So I think it's safe <laughs> yeah. to say this. He introduced himself as junk. That was his that was name. His name. Yeah. So rule number one, yeah. don't be friends with anybody named Junk. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But Junk, like Kyle said, met us with tears in his eyes saying, I'm so glad we got you here. I'm so glad we got you. You're going to show him. You're going to show him. And saying a lot of nonsensical, like, what yeah. the hell does this guy mean? Uh-huh. So Kyle and I... Like basically consoling him yeah. while he was meeting us, which was really sweet. We were like, yeah. it's okay. We're here. I get, we're here. Thank you. <laughs> so we're also glad yeah. to be here. Thank you for... This is a gig, right? Yeah. We can still play? Yeah. And he then proceeds to, you know, basically ask us a really basic question, like, you know, how, how far was the drive today? And he's slurring all over himself. And as Kyle goes to answer the question. Let's just act it out. Yeah, let's just do a little role play. Yeah. Okay, we're used to this. Yeah. Okay, you, I'll be junk, you be you. Okay. Hey, Kyle, how, how, how long was the drive today? Oh, the drive Shut was about- Shut the fuck up, dude, buddy. <laughs> So the important parts of that interaction, dude, dude buddy, dude, dude buddy. buddy, that's it. You, <laughs> yeah. you took away the took away. That's the most important thing that you could garner from that story is that he said, shut the fuck up, dude, buddy. <laughs> and we have ever since used dude, buddy as the perfect, uh, you know, hey, screw off uh-huh. statement to call somebody. And that was with a fan. So yeah. I don't really know what to do with that other than, hey, thanks, Junk. I'm glad you exist in this mm-hmm. weird world of ours. But no, no crying outrage like on stage when y'all are up there. He was just cool, calm, and collected in a seat. Oh, no, oh, no, there were cr- no, well, there were some crying outrages. Mm-hmm. He kept screaming out the phrase, make them wonder over and over, which we still to this day are not sure what he meant by that. But we're doing our best still, Junk, if you're listening to this. We are trying to make them wonder every night. Yeah, every night. <laughs> I think that's that's the new lyric to our new new title to a new song is what it's got to be. Right? Yeah, you know, it's like, totally true. Met a man named Junk and Skid Row. We're going to make him wonder. We're going to make him wonder. Here we are, eight years later, still making him wonder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's fantastic. And so I guess we'll uh, we'll kind of shift a little bit and we'll kind of talk about bourbon. Uh, 
So kind of talk about your all story with bourbon. Like, where were you introduced to it? How did you kind of get into it? Because, you know, Kyle, I know last time we talked that, you know, you're, you're part of like the, or sorry, Andy, next time we talked, you're part of like the, the hunting party now. Like you're, you're yeah. out searching for bo- bottles and stuff. So I think we both got started, I guess, similar in time. Our, our manager, Paul is a big collector of bourbon and he's got this thing called the steel speakeasy, which is really rad. And he was the one who showed us for the first time, like, Hey, Here's the really nice stuff. You've had a lot of the shitty stuff. Let's try some really good things. And I'm going to talk you through some of the taste notes, some of the flavor profiles, just some of them. Get mm-hmm. you get your feet wet a little bit. And I took to it really fast, really enjoy it as this Kyle. And for me, one of the things that keeps me sane on the road is hunting for two things, rare books and bourbon. So I'll go to liquor stores just along the highway as I'm driving uh, in the van or use bookstores. And it's just really neat once you've been introduced to how big this world is, how big the world of dusty hunting is, how big the world of rare bottle hunting is and raffles are, like the secondary market. When you get invited into that and you see how crazy it is, but also, you know, the community family aspect of people tagging you in a thing because they know you like Booker's 25th anniversary or they know you've always wanted to find a Booker's Rye bottle and so they tag you in one they think's a decent price in the secondary market. Mm -hmm. This world's huge, man. And so once we got our feet wet into it, it was sort of uh, snowballed from there. And now now I'm a moderate alcoholic and I really like bourbon a whole lot. So (laughs) that's where it started. Moderate's good. Yeah, moderate Moderate's good. Moderate is good. As long as you just don't go over that that edge, right? That's, That's all you need to worry about. Yeah. Do you think, like Kyle... Early on, when we were down in the speakeasy, were you overwhelmed a bit when we were like down there with a thousand and a half bottles? No, because you and Paul are my Sherpas. <laughs> you guys tell me everything I need to know about bourbon. I That's, love that answer. Yeah. Thank you. I felt comfortable, oh. calm. You made me wander down there. That's, that's how I wanted your first experience yeah. to be. I was was I tender and affectionate. You're tender, yeah. Oh, I'm You're so very glad. loving. That's how all, that's yeah, listener. You, that's how your first time should be. Tender, I'd take a tender sip, and, and he would whisper the mm-hmm. notes yes. of the bourbon into yes. my ear, and then give me a soft, gentle kiss on the cheek yes. after each one. <laughs> God, it's hot. And I'm I, so glad yeah. I did that. I didn't know it's why you 124 added 124 proof. <laughs> <laughs> tannins. Tannins. <laughs> Man, we just fell in love with it pretty early on, and now uh, it's on the rider every night. Uh, it feels neat to be able to try local stuff when we go by. I love baby distilleries. I've got like this massive affection for seeing someone, uh, knowing that the craft took so many years to make. Mm-hmm. Like there are these people who got their buddies together, started a small distillery, and all of a sudden they're like putting juice in barrels, and they have to wait. It's a waiting game, and they hope, and their fingers are crossed. And so when good stuff comes out of that, I know that uh, for me, it's inspiring because I know what it's like to crock pot a creative idea and wait for it. And that hoping is part of the thing that you're doing, whether it be making music or making booze, like you just have a hope. You, you really desire to make a good thing. You put everything into it that you can, knowledge, know-how, expertise, advice from other people, and then you sit and you wait and you hope. And I have a lot of value for that, which is one of the things I think I'm drawn to bourbon about and baby distilleries, because I think that that's hard to do, and it's risky as shit, man. Oh, yeah. And that's that's cool to me. I love that. Well, Andy, I mean, what, can I talk about more about what, was there like one bourbon or anything like that that got you kicked or hooked on it or anything like that? Like there's a, oh, yeah. 
So kind of talk about what that what that was. Uh, it was Booker's for sure. It's my favorite to this day. I mean, the way that I always, when people ask us, our answer is the same. We both love Booker's. And my usual response, depending on who I'm talking to with why I love it so much, is A, the nostalgic pull of it being the first fancy bottle that someone bought me. Like the first fancy-ish bottle. Mm-hmm. And being blown away by how spicy it was and... Uh, I tell them the reason why it's my favorite is that it's a, it's a bourbon you can have three ways. It's three bourbons in one bottle. You, that is a totally different flavor profile if you have it neat versus how you have that with a drop of water swilled, let it open for a minute, versus having a couple cubes in there. I mean, you are literally changing the flavor complexion three totally different ways. And as the ice melts, you're going to get a fourth and a fifth and a sixth, depending on how long you sip on it. And so any... A chameleon bottle like that that exists I'm, f- I'm fond of, which is normally why I go for the hazmat shit. I'm just yeah. such a huge fan of high-proof stuff. I like that, a chameleon. I like that. I don't think I've ever heard that one. I'm gonna, can I steal that? You can. It's yours, right, it's right, yours cool. now. I'm going to go ahead and just break that one. You keep bucket. pouring this shit for me, and it's all yours. All right, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep going. We're going to keep going. So, Kyle, what about you? I mean, uh, I know he said that, you know, Andy said you like Booker's as well, mm-hmm. but, I mean, was that your your first introduction? Was somebody that said, like, here, drink this 125-proof stuff. You're going to love it. <laughs> so I remember Andy uh, in 2011 when he was like, man, I think I like bourbon. I was like, that's great. That's really cool. <laughs> and at the time, I didn't know too much about it. I just you drank you like a text message. You're like, yeah. sweet, man. Yeah, yeah. thanks, man. Cool. Just personal epiphany here, yeah. Kyle. <laughs> Enjoy Have it. Have a good Tuesday. And I remember, <laughs> I remember you would you would drink um, just like all of the standards, uh, just like a Makers or a Bullet or mm-hmm. any of those. And you were just learning about them. And I do remember when you got your first uh, your first bottle oh, of the good stuff. Daddy's first bookers. Yeah, it was very sweet. <laughs> it was a good time. But then that was it. I feel like it was just game over. And I mean, we at the time were already spending so much time together that I was part of the whole process. Um, and that, that's you felt, just you felt like you were his like guiding angel, like through yeah. the whole thing. You're like, yeah, I was yeah, like, continue on, go on. <laughs> Kyle, would you say that I am your enabler and that I too have made you a moderate alcoholic through this process? Because I'd like for you to not say that. I, I can't not say that. Yeah. Okay, then, I, then it's definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Cool. Yeah, we're in the same spot. Yeah, I feel great about that. Our yeah. liver is fine. It's fine. We're young. It's we're strengthened, if anything. If anything, it's old iron sides yeah. back there. That thing can take a licking <laughs> yeah. and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Can you say take a licking? I don't know if I like that, but it's okay because my it liver can, really can yeah. take a licking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you on that. But yeah, that's how <laughs> I just, Andy is for sure my enabler through mm-hmm. through all of it. My dad is more of a scotch guy, and so I knew about scotches. And then I think Andy has taught my whole family, in fact, about the bourbon world <laughs> because my dad now will go and buy, anytime he knows we're going to travel through, he'll buy <laughs> the biggest bottle of bourbon that is possible to buy and we'll be so excited about it. It looks like a super soaker, soaker tank <laughs> full of booze. It's literally like, I didn't know they made them that big. It looks like a novelty inflatable, yeah. but it's real and it's full of Woodford and he yeah. gets it every fucking time. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that he does. <laughs> and it's almost cash by the time you leave. Well, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. If I had a nickel for every like ambling midnight to 2 a.m. walk down the stairs of the Yonkey <laughs> house I'd had to that huge daddy bottle, I'd have loads of nickels, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of talk about more of your, your all's camaraderie because, you know, you grew up together or went to school together in yeah. Austin, uh, but you don't live on Austin together anymore, correct? You guys are separated by a state now, something like that. Yeah. Since last time I talked. So kind of talk about like how that all works, uh, 
you know, the, the band, the friendship, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you talk about the band, I'll talk about the friendship. All right. <laughs> All right. So as a, should we, which one do we start with actually? Let's go friendship. Then you do friendship, the recording part. Sense, yeah. Okay. So I don't think that friends, in fact, I know this, uh, friends don't spend as much time around each other normally as Kyle and I do. I've lived with Kyle in three different homes, both as a married individual, me, my wife, he, his wife, and another buddy and his wife all lived in this house in Austin in this communal type setup where we would be gone on the road and our wives and friends all got to always share meals together. And so we lived in married housing together. We lived on the road in various hotels. We lived uh, in San Antonio in a house together. We have lived together in college. So much time has been spent with this human. And over that time, you learn a few things, not only about each other, but you learn about how to have interpersonal relationships better, right? Like you learn, like if I, again, the amount of mercy extended and mercy received and hard conversations had and celebrations and things to be mourned and births and funerals and everything that we've had as a friend group is so much higher than most people have, just be out of sheer proximity. We live together, we work together, we have slept in the same La Quinta bed more times mm-hmm. than any friends have ever done before, at least to the best of my knowledge. And when we were recording back in the day, we would sleep on couches just head to toe, on like one individual couch. <laughs> that that was a fact. We'd yeah, done and this. we didn't enjoy, that one was not well, as quite enjoyable. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, somebody enjoys it. Somebody enjoyed it. <laughs> that somebody is a me. <laughs> But yeah, we we just, with the sheer amount of time that we spend together, I feel like uh, not only is this my best friend, but there's, there's, there's something deeper than that. It's something that's close enough to be kin, and it comes out of hard-fought years and time spent. There's no substitute for time spent, ever. There's no sub for it. I've spent thousands of hours with this person talking about the scary shit in life, the beautiful things in life. Uh, and everything in between. And the end result of that has been something that, like I said, is closer to kin than most things that people will ever have. And closer than brothers that I know, like most people that I know don't even have this relationship with their kin. And that has definitely fed into how we do music. And this is a little bit weird for us to live in a different place now. It's the first time in our lives that we live in a different city, different state. And granted, we still see each other hundreds of days a year as we tour together. But it's definitely affected the music in a good way, but surprising. Which brings me to the next phase, the music. Kyle, what would you say our friendship is when it comes to music and its creation? Yeah, well, me and Andy, we hate each other, so we have to be separated by, <laughs> by at least, by at least two to three states. It's a real yeah, Simon to. and Garfunkel thing right yeah. now. <laughs> um, and, well, so Andy, we both moved to Alabama for a season. Um, and Andy fell in love with it. I also loved it, but wanted to come home to family, wanted to be back in Texas. So I moved back. Um, and so to record, we wanted to stay home just because it's a lot of travel if, uh, if we don't. Um, and so we've just learned, learned how we each have our own little individual studios that we go to. We record with our buddy, Chris Jacoby in San Antonio. Andy goes and records with Chris Bethay. We each have our own individual Chris's that we record in their studios. <laughs> Chris Square, get on the phone. That's yeah. right. My Chris over here, his Chris over there. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Um, and we just uh, do the, the our method. I do a lot of the melody. Andy does a lot of the lyrics. And um, when it comes time to record, we just do our own individual thing and kind of just mash it all together and see what works. And 
uh, technology allows it. It's mm-hmm. a pretty crazy thing now. Oh, sweet. It's not internet. so hard. Yeah. Sweet, sweet internet. <laughs> we couldn't stream it. Who knows where we'd be here? That's who right. knows, man? What was it? I think, uh, who was it that opened for you all last night? Caroline Spence. Caroline Spence. She had a, she had a really funny kind of like opening to one of her songs and saying like, oh, I've got like a couple million downloads on Spotify with this one song. It's amazing that my parents have figured out how to use Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. That's Good perfect. Job, Caroline. <laughs> that is a solid yeah. joke, Caroline Love Spence. That. Yeah. Love that. So, so who's the messy one between you two? Me. No, I, we're both pretty messy, Dude. I would say. I, you're very sweet to say so. I think we can both be tidy when necessary, but I think Kyle would probably get, because he's more form and function, like you would never ask me to pack up the van. What I do, and I've learned it now, I've learned this about myself and it's fine. I am not efficient in a lot of movements. And so I look at Kyle and I'm like, Kyle, if you will please (laughs) do this, or will you do it and then teach me so that I can now know how to do this? Do it your way. Spatial reasoning, I did not score very high on. I knew lots of synonyms, but I did not know how to put the blocks in the right order so that they would fit neatly into a van. He does. So I think that would mean that he's cleaner. Well, that's that's like a dad move, right? And you had to pack up the pack up the truck to go yeah. down to Myrtle Beach or to Florida or Des, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and you you're sitting there playing a game of Jenga with all yeah. the, oh, all yeah. the luggage. So I've got that. I've got that gene. Whatever it is, is in my tool. I, I it's can, so hot. The other day, <laughs> I literally it did happen where you, you packed just stand it back and you started waving and fanning yourself like, "Oh <laughs> yeah. dear, it's so nice to have a man around the oh, house." I, I, and I would honestly say something like that every time I see him pack the van. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and he packed the van the other day, and the doors wouldn't shut. And he was like trying, he was just feebly trying to shut both of the you doors. You didn't have to say feebly. Well, it that was. was not nice, but it was. We're just calling it what it is and painting a picture for yeah, the podcast fair. listeners. That's fair. That's fair. And. I I think I literally pushed you out of the way. It was like, I got this. Just <laughs> stiff arm out, and then I put it together. Oh, my insolence, my silliness that I would even try to pack the van. And but, I did. But in terms of uh, who's cleaner, both of our suitcases explode. That's upon true. Upon entering every single hotel room that we enter. That's true. They do. So to answer your question, maybe it's a push. Mm-hmm. But the more organized of the two of us would be Kyle. Yeah, I'll be somebody. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to. It's a fact. It's objective. I'll take it. Yeah. So when you're on the road, are you uh, are you all constantly talking to each other? Is like one person napping while somebody else is driving, or is it you know you said that you've talked about everything deep and everything humorous, or is Mm -hmm. is that what is that what driving on the road is like for y'all? So we the last four days before we got to Louisville, we had uh, four days of six hour drive days each. So within those six hours, there can still be two hours of talking and a good two-hour nap and then two hours of just looking at your phone or whatever else mm-hmm. you want to do or just staring off into the distance. Yeah. And that's about what happens each time is just a, a mix of all of those. And whoever is in the driver's seat gets the aux cord and gets to choose what we're listening to. Um, so what are you got, listening to on the road? Got a good system. Well, I mean, it's almost guaranteed. You're going to look at see a few things with Ryan, our tour manager. You're going to get a steady diet of pop divas. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear uh, "Lover" by Taylor Swift over and over again. Then you're going to hear him switch over to Noah, Gunders- Noah Gunderson's "Lover," that mm-hmm. whole album on repeat. And then uh, some Shania Twain. Some will Shania get mixed in will, there. will weasel in. Mm-hmm. When Kyle's in the seat recently, it's been uh, a lot of R and B. R and B, yeah, huh? mm-hmm. yeah. I don't, I can't listen to anything but it right now. 
which is uh, it's some, fun. Some slow moving kind of gets you in the mood. Or yeah, that's what I'm looking making for. Making you miss home a little bit. Is that what Always. it's doing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mayonnaise what are you just, alluding to? I didn't. I didn't get quite. It was just the, like, the, like you. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can you could look at Andy as much as you can, but it's like you know, after a while, you're just like, all right, I miss home a little bit. Now. Yeah, I listen, get it. Listen to the R and B stuff. I get it, man. It's nice. It does. That's been on the that's been on the docket for him for a while now. Mm-hmm. So it'll probably bleed into the next record somehow. But yeah. For me, it's guaranteed. I will sit in the front seat, probably be quiet for like twenty minutes. And then put on my Stephen King audiobook mm-hmm. or Stephen King podcast, and they will both look at me, smirk a little bit, and put their headphones in. <laughs> Such is life, man. Such is life. So, uh, so I mean, so you're a podcast listener, right? So the Stephen King stuff. So you don't, you're not a fan of just like listening to whatever is happening, going around as you're driving. Then no, not so much for me. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I'm gonna let him have his Stephen King. <laughs> Though I'm sure he's a beautiful human, Stephen King, and I hope to meet him one day. Oh, but please. I, uh, I just haven't read his books yet. Well, I'm not a book reader either, but I can listen to a book. Totally. That's, that's like why they invented movies. Like, why would you, why would you read a book? If you, <laughs> yeah, we made if it you, past this. Yeah, it was like, we, you, you why guys, would I sit down with a book for a month when I can get finished in an hour and a half? Yeah, you guys. And I'm, see, the I'm problem. i lose my shit on y'all, and I don't want to do The problem here is Andy's a fast reader. And so he doesn't get that. He can finish a book in a few hours. And that's where he finds enjoyment in it still. Where I've been that's reading true. the same book this whole tour, and I think it's like 150 pages. Oh, God. And like it's half of them are pictures, right? Yeah, it's actually, it's actually full <laughs> it's pictures. It's a Shel Silverstein. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's a really good novel. He's going to love it when he finishes yeah, it. I, I can barely finish a Goose, Goosebumps novel anymore, oh, right? Oh, so, man. Choose sweet, your own adventure. Sweet, yeah. sweet R.L. Stein. <laughs> I love you. So, uh, you know, I'll kind of shift a little bit back to bourbon real quick before we start losing listeners talking about this random <laughs> stuff here. So, uh, you know, kind of talk about, you know, have you all visited the trail, you know, coming to Louisville, coming to Kentucky? Like, have you been to distilleries? Like, is there something around there that, that kind of fascinates you? If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. 
shopify.com slash bourbon. Have you been to distilleries? Like, is there something around there that, that kind of fascinates you? You know, Andy, I see you getting ready to jump into yeah, it. Yeah, so. I have I have been. For my 30th birthday, which is four years ago now, I went, my uh, good friend in Florence uh, drove us down, went to the Bourbon Trail, saw a few distilleries, saw Bullet, Buffalo Trace, and one more that is eluding me right now. Can't remember. But I got to see a lot of the stuff behind the scenes in terms of like, I didn't know about Diageo and Orphan Barrel stuff and how it was involved with uh, Bullet and all that stuff. It was my first time ever being behind the door. That was my first experience was the Bullet one. And then I went to Buffalo Trace, which sort of felt like the Cadillac for me. It was lovely. Never seen a Rick House, never been inside one before. I, I was the the perfect target for the guy that sits down and watches the video in Buffalo Trace. Yeah, and was like, just like, oh, man, <laughs> just, just a full, full geek boner and loved it so much. Yeah. And I'm sitting like asking questions of the tour guide. I'm that guy. I was, I was really loving it. And like, man, I, again, if I lived nearer to here, I would do it so much more often. Cause it's mm. such a cool thing, man. It, I know that there are other worlds as big as this in the booze world. Like I know the, the world of sommeliers and wine is huge. And if you want to go to, um, oh, yeah. you've got favorite vintners and favorite years and all that's famous. And maybe sometime that'll be a thing that I get into. But right now, this is like the second most passionate affinity that I have is bourbon. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And, and Stephen King's a good number one to have. It, it is a pretty good number one. Yeah. <laughs> Again, selfish plug, listener out there. If you know Stephen, please connect him with my people. Thank you. Um, hey, will you tell me, can you show your sommelier skills with this bourbon? With what, what we're, we're having? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah well, I mean, let's put you to the test. I, wanna, I, I can want, tell you how I would describe this, it. I want the listener to hear what I, basically what I go through, mm. what I get to go through. Hello and welcome to Andy's bourbon tasting this is, you, this is, imagine you're in my ear. Yeah, if you switch to binaural, take the left earphone out, put it back in, put the right one in. I'm all around you. What I'm drinking today, friend, is Booker's Rye. This was the first fancy bottle I ever bought for myself. My wife was furious. <laughs> I found it in Texas, right outside of Lower Greenville. And here it comes to me via the Bourbon Pursuit podcast and his willingness to share his nice booze. On the nose, astringent, rye, smoky, very sourish, in my opinion, which I love very much, very much rye. But this drinks more like a bourbon, very spicy. It uh, stays in the back of your throat, right above the tongue, just lingers there for much longer than it would. The burning taste that you'll get with anything high proof in Booker's is always there and always present. But this, uh, even though it's rye and astringent, in my mind still has a sweetness that is not normally present in rye whiskeys for me that I love, which is why I would compare it to a bourbon. And that is my tasting note for today on Booker's Rye. Thank you. Oh, fantastic. Oh, oh, thank you so much. clap for that one. Thank you so much. That was nice. Mm, well, I tried. Yeah, sure ahead. Go dive into it. I mean, because Booker's Rye, this was this was one of the most, you know, highly anticipated and allocated releases that came out a few years ago. Uh, it's it's long gone from the market. Who knows if we're ever going to see something like this again, because this was a batch of rye that actually Booker No put down, right? Mm. I mean, this was this was something that happened a long time ago. But what was it that kind of got you into the kind of the hunting scene, Andy? Like what got you into trying to find rare bottles or anything like that? I think it was the first time that Paul described to me how few of these get made and the stories behind them. Like you just alluded to the fact that if, if I remember right, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but Booker, uh, Booker No, when he was there in like his latter years, this was the only project that uh, 
outlasted in terms of his actual life. This was post-mortem yeah. released. Absolutely. But he had his actual hands on the mash bill, on the creation process, on the front end. And the story of that, to me, I knew this was a bottle that I had to hunt down and find, which is why I have it in the bunker. Because Booker's has got that nostalgic pull for me. It was the first thing that made me fall in love with bourbon. I collect as many of their offerings as I possibly can. The best juice I've ever had in my life is Booker's 25th anniversary. And so for me, hunting began with this bottle, which is pretty cool that we're you know having it in this podcast. But the first time I ever remember bouncing over to multiple different liquor stores when I knew it was release week for this. And I was just hoping, you know, and I was, I was so green, like didn't have a fucking clue. I'm literally walking to places like, do you have it? Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> like I would get laughed at so hard. But this one like younger clerk at this liquor store was like, I think I can probably get one. I mean, I think that the dude that we had it promised to bailed and it was just a little too high of a price point for him at the time. And I was like, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And again, wife was none too pleased until I ex- explained like, I'm not going to do this all the time. We don't have the cash for it, but <laughs> I saved up my, my money from the road. We're good. And I don't know, it feels really cool to say that it began a love for hunting Dusties later on when I learned what they were. Finding out old distilleries that I uh, occasionally can find on the secondary market that people sell. And I don't know, man. Where do you go for this? Like, how do you hunt? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, like, uh, I would say that you're, you're in a decent position. I wish, uh, or should I say, you probably wish maybe when you had started doing this like six, seven, oh, eight years ago yeah. when you were on the road. Oh, yeah. When you are on the road, you, that was prime opportunity way back then, yeah. right? Because even back in 2013, 2012 timeframe, mm-hmm. the stores were still littered back then. They couldn't, sure. they mm-hmm. couldn't sell the stuff. Sure. Um, until 2014 hit, 2015, then everything just was scarce. It was just a ghost town and some of these liquor stores to find allocated bourbon. So yeah, yeah. kind of talk about your story there. Well, the hunt for me, like it begins not on the secondary market. For the most part, I love going to hole in the wall uh, along the road, hole in the wall, seemingly dilapidated uh, liquor stores and checking behind the front rack. And what I mean by that is I've had incredible luck in, in and around smaller towns in Alabama, checking package stores and looking at old, like Literally, they'll put the new version of Wild Turkey 101 in the front. And then if you look behind, you may be lucky enough to see, like you can tell cork difference, you can tell label difference. And I've found at least six bottles of Austin Austin Nichols Wild Turkey that way, just from looking in the back. And that just means that nobody goes into that package store and buys Wild Turkey. They had to buy it to get the new label to keep their rep happy or whatever. I've found uh, age stated old charter. I've found um, some old log cabins, some really great dusty Ooh, old finds. Old log cabin, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, some some really cool dusty finds just from people who've like owned these package stores for years and you know don't know what they have. And and I'm, I'm not out there trying to scam them because I don't do any. I don't resell anything. My my meager bourbon collection in my little closet of my house is all for drinking. I wanted to have specific bottles set aside for specific purposes in my life. When a buddy has a kid, we're going to open up birthday bourbon. When uh, there's a death in the family and I want to celebrate the life that has been extinguished, I want to open up uh, the Booker's offering. I want to open up the Dusty of uh, the bottle and bomb, bond beam that I have from the 60s. That was there. I mean, it was in the barrel when Kennedy was alive. Like, are you kidding me? Like, there's so much of this stuff that I see a bottle that there's limited number of and I immediately see a story and I see who was alive when it was first in the cask and I see all of those things that matter to me as a storyteller in my other job. And so I, 
admittedly, I wax nostalgic and poetic on everything in my life, and I've done that full frontal with bourbon, mm-hmm. and I'm very pleased with it. It just makes the hunt so much easier because it makes it something fun to do. And so the secondary market's like the last stop. The last stop if yeah. I'm like, I really want a thing, but I know that there's no chance I'm going to be able to find it in the wild. But w- for a person who hasn't done that, what does that even look like, the secondary market? Secondary market's tough, man. Sometimes you get invited to private Facebooks and lots of stuff, but you've got people online that'll buy a bottle for X number of dollars, and then they will take that MSRP and they will multiply it by a thousand million dollars <laughs> and then say, yes, you can have this MSRP bottle of one $170 for the meager pricing of 1200 Got it. And it's brutal. But to be honest with you, and this is just being really blunt, and whether this gets me castrated by bourbon fans or not, there are times where the story, the juice is worth the squeeze. The story of the bottle and me never being able to get access to that bottle outside of this really jacked up price on the secondary market is worth it. Like I'm, I'm saving up for the sheer fact that someday I'll be able to get a bottle of Booker's 25 for... Probably 850 now. I think 600 was a couple years ago. But is that about right? He's, he's pretty much on point around there. So, yeah. so looking at that, I'm like, okay, I want that. And and is the story and the amount of times and dinners that I'll be able to have that with and back porch conversations, um, is it worth that? And the answer is, of course, of course it is it's to me. And that's not for everybody, but if you spread out that price point over the amount of time and stories that I'll be able to have it on it, then yeah, it's worth it. So there you go. So if you're a listener out there, you're a fan of these guys, you got Booker's 25th laying around. <laughs> there it is. There's, uh, there might be a private private concert you could have in your backyard for a, for a bottle. Who knows? <laughs> I'll rub your back. There's <laughs> lots of stuff. There's a lot of ways this can go. <laughs> so, I mean, are you... So, Kyle, I'll, I'll ask you. So, mm-hmm. when, when, when you're all on the road and Andy's driving or you're driving or whatever, does Andy see, like, a rundown liquor store? He's like, Kyle, pull, the, pull, pull it over. Pull it oh, over. We got to go. Yeah. yeah, we both do because I know that's what he digs. So, I'll see one and I'll be like, is this a good looking one? We need to stop here. Uh-huh. And most times it's a yes. There's really not a, there's very rarely a no to go into a liquor store. So uh-huh. we'll go pretty often. And I know what to look for now, which is really fun. I know how to say the things to the guys behind the counter mm-hmm. to see if there's anything back there. You gotta play that game, you Gotta baby. play the game. <laughs> and I'm in it now, which is nice. But I know that uh, whatever, whatever we find, whatever the bounty is, we'll go to Sir Baxter which is great. And then I'll get a couple pulls off it every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, pro tip for you hunters out there, just one. I won't spoil all of the tricks, but one. A really great way to get in good with a local liquor store that sells fancy bottles is before you let them answer upon asking if they have that Midwinter Night's Dram or whatever really cool bottle you're looking for, you immediately say, before you ask, before you let them talk, after you've said, do you have this? Is Do you have anything in the back? You say, also, if you do have it, uh, we'll open it right here, right now, and we'll each have a pour. And that is a great way to immediately be like, I have seen people turn on a dime when they were going to tell me no. And then I'm like, is it worth it for me to like have a pour of this stuff right now with the, the owner, then buy the bottle from him? Yeah, because it does two things in one thing. You get to try the juice. You get to try the juice with a, a friend who also probably loves bourbon because he's selling the stuff. He peddles it. And then you're probably going to get future offers or future looks because that guy knows that you give a shit. Because then you're not going to resell an open bottle. Like for, for him, I find it dis- – for most people, I find that disarming because they know that I'm not in this to make cash. I'm in this because I love the juice and I love the story and I really want that bottle to open up and drink in my house. 
It'll get open eventually. Might as well now. Yeah, right? exactly. Might as well make it happen. Mm-hmm. So take that and run with it, listener. So even with the uh, with the the fandom that you have, anything like that, nothing's like nothing's free coming your way. I mean, I talk about bourbon all the time, and yeah. hell, all, I get samples sent to me. But yeah. for the most part, nobody's sitting here sending me allocated bourbon. But even in the music world, nobody's like, hey. I got all those bookers in the back waiting for you guys, right? We, we've had occasional offers. Yeah. Occasional offers of people that are kind enough that want to bring us bottles. And we get gifted because yeah. they know that we dig it. We mm-hmm. get gifted a, a fair amount of, of booze on the road, which we love, yeah, by the way. amazing. Please so, continue. So keep doing really, really that. great. really that. love that. It's a good trend. Yeah. Let's keep that rolling. At the end of every tour, we do a bourbon lottery because we'll have uh, a decent amount that we've both accrued by ourselves and that we've accrued from gifts from people. Mm-hmm. And so we'll get to the end of a tour or a leg of tour and we just go one for one. We like rock, paper, scissor, who goes first. Then we go one for one. and First captain, second captain. Yeah. yeah. And usually those bottles, we still share, but we just keep in our house and get to slowly sip on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're both at each other's houses enough that like we basically are choosing which ones we want to have a little bit more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really he can great. drink anything at my house. Yeah. And whenever I'm over at his house, if he's got bourbon, I'm drinking that too. And so it's literally like... It's a first captain, second captain, and the only way yeah. that he's not going to get it is if he doesn't show up in time for me to finish yeah. the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hurry. Yep. <laughs> so I guess the way to get in good grace is you got to feed these guys bourbon. Yeah. You guys are bourbon bourbon geeks at the end of the day, which is yeah. awesome. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we'd love to have you on here is because I don't think there's a whole lot of people we could go and talk to that are musicians out there that could have this level of conversation with us as well. Oh, because, man. you know, like you all are, you're in the trenches too, right? You're, yeah. you're out there, you're hunting, you're driving, you're looking for stuff and mm-hmm. you know what to look for, right? I think so. I mean, I, it, and again, this world's huge, I'm still learning what this is. Like I've only known about Dusty's for like three years. And so like the amount of knowledge that you can amass in this world is massive, dude. It's so crazy to learn about who used to own Old Crow, what years were good, when did it stop being great, when is it, is it making a resurgence? Like all these nuanced things that you can figure out about this world is huge. And to me, that's just fun. That's just a fun thing to start to study. Yeah, and, and so it's changing really quickly. Yeah. Like especially with some of the, the smaller distilleries around the nation that are happening. I feel like there's more to know than ever, it seems like. Yeah. It's just an exciting time to be somebody who loves this stuff. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, last night, Andy, when you were on stage, uh, you were drinking bourbon, That's you? a fact. Yeah, That's so fact. I mean, you were, you were drinking bourbon between the songs. Like you had, a, I think you had a pour with some, with some rocks in it or something like that. I did. That. Yeah. And I was, we were both gifted. We were gifted uh, some Old Forester on stage. And before oh, that. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, and we had okay. Eagle Rare uh, in the cup. Eagle mm-hmm. Rare walking onto stage. We had yeah. a good amount of bourbon last night just from people bringing us uh, a random pour, which so was great. How did, how did fans get to know that you all were into bourbon? I don't know if there's a time on stage that Andy or I are not drinking bourbon. Uh-huh. And I think it I think it became apparent after a few years of us just just constantly in between songs having just people like would just ask. Sip, like, yeah. Yeah, okay. And so I think and then eventually people would buy us bourbons and uh, send them on stage and we started we just would say how appreciative we were and we would drink them which is also great. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and that on top of uh, just talking about it, uh, whether it's social media or um, random interview stage, questions, yeah. like print interviews. When, when they ask, I mean, again, like I said, it's like second most uh, touted affinity in myself. And so when it comes to both of us being asked on interviews, what are you into? 
what do you do on the road to stay sane? <laughs> Aside from drinking, we don't drink to stay sane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it's it complicated. Is, it's complicated. <laughs> that's a complicated answer. Um, but but in all seriousness, when people ask us what we're into, like it's one of the earliest things we can talk about. Like, oh, we like drinking bourbon. We like collecting it. We like trying new stuff. Local distilleries. We like all that. Mm-hmm. It's it's a natural overflow of something that's already cool that we have loved for years. And so when people caught on to that, we are very grateful that they have decided to say like, oh, cool, this is a way that I can say, hey, I like your music. It's given me a lot of solace. I've appreciated all the moments that have, like music, your music has been a part of our life for a few years now and we'd like to give back. And a lot of times they choose to give back with sweet hundred proof goodness. <laughs> and we are pleased with that choice. I was about to say, and, and kind of tail off on that last one, was like when somebody does come and says that, you know, your music has inspired their life, yeah. like kind of talk about that, right? Because I mean, this is, we're getting a little deep with this, but kind of sure. talk about like what that means to you all as artists. To be honest with you, man, anytime we get to be a part of a thing that's been healing for somebody, Anytime somebody comes up and says, as it happens fairly regularly now, we've toured enough and we've seen enough cities and met enough people that people get to come up and tell us a story of, of a moment in their life that they got through with the helping hand of catharsis and music. And we've gotten to be a part of that. And so anytime someone steps up and says uh, that a good thing resulted, an emotionally beneficial thing, healing, catharsis happened because of our tunes, um, I don't know that there's a better compliment you could give yeah. our music. We a lot of why we write our music is is for that. It's our own healing. A lot of the times, it's all, it's pretty often autobiographical. And I know that's not the only way to write music. I mean, in, in the pop world, you're not looking to write something that's heavy um, or something that's that's going to be specifically cathartic. Yeah, I think Ariana Grande said, you know, leave your boyfriend for me or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so yeah. it's Which kind of a little different. is emotionally deep. Yeah, yeah let the record reflect. There's yeah. a lot of shit going on It really on can there. be. But, <laughs> um, but the fact that someone else would also feel what we're going through kind of, it just is pretty binding for us. It's mm. a really cool thing um, to, although our intention wasn't to be like, we want to write something specifically for other people because we write it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. To know that other people are also connecting with it is just really, it. it's a cool bond to have with somebody to be like, yeah, we're, we're in the same thing together a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really cool uh, yeah, it's really cool for us when anybody tells us. Right on, absolutely. And so I guess a, another thing to kind of tail off on from the last question before then is, you know, you all are not also uh, discriminators in the whiskey world as well, because I think it was uh, a city or two ago, you did a shout on Instagram saying uh, somebody sent you some of your, your favorite cinnamon flavored whiskey. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, let's let the record reflect a few things. One, we'll drink it if it's wet and it tastes decent. And- <laughs> well, we will, we will say... The, the, the honey whiskeys, we Oof. just have had, we had too many bad experiences in college. Can't do it. So mm-hmm. if it's honey infused. I can't do it. Man. Yeah. Just Not that away. it's bad to like, I've just been hurt. Just yeah. been hurt before. <laughs> I can't, basically I can't do it. it. I, it's, it's yeah. very triggering. I get, I get like <laughs> American honey shell shock and it's no good. Uh-huh. Uh, but for the most part, uh, if it's wet and curiously tasty enough to try, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. And Somebody sent for whatever reason we didn't talk about. It. I think we, we did ask. talk about. It. I think we. I think we just mentioned it on a whim. Did you? I, I don't remember. So. I don't remember doing that. Sometimes you just are talking on stage, you know. And that's fair. We could have so. rambled and yeah. said something about Fireball, but like four shots of Fireball appeared. Oh gosh! And well, and four shots later, like we 
were like crossing arms yeah. on stage yeah. and like newlywed couple shooting fireball. And then and they flirted with words. us online. Yeah. And it was great. It was such a, such a cute interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Fireball reached out to us. It was really great. We never responded to him. We need to. Oh, I flirted back. Don't you worry. Did? They're yeah. sending us a care package. They are? <laughs> I don't know what's in it. There you go. <laughs> I have no idea what's in the thing. I hope it's just a huge fucking beach ball with fireball on the side. That we have <laughs> We'd also to do take with. it. Yeah, I'd be like, cool, sounds great. I think because uh, last night you were talking about like, uh, you know, trying to figure out how do you get sponsorships? And you're like, yeah. uh, you're like, what do these guys actually stand for? Now I think you've figured out what you all stand for, right? Totally. The fireball. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, it's like, bring us your strange. It, like if, yeah. if you could say like, what's your thesis statement for how you want to like rope in your sponsors? It'd be like, who's strange out there? Who wants to do something really weird? Because we're into that. That's great for us. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, we gave a random shout out to White Claw in great hopes that uh, they'd flirt back with us. We don't even know to what end. We don't, we're not yeah. asking for anything. It's just like, what will they say if we I start? I kind of be- also just want to pit White Claw against Fireball. See That's what happens. Storm of the yeah. Century, yeah. baby. Yeah. See, going for the highest bidder. Go on. Right. Go on. for our affections. Yeah. We don't care. <laughs> be it cinnamon uh, potpourri whiskey or if it be this <laughs> sweet, sweet uh, black Seltzer cherry White Claw. Vodka. Uh, yeah. Seltzer vodka. There you go. You'll start wearing like fireball jerseys on stage now like when you're going out there oh, like yeah. no it's okay we didn't sell out we ten, didn't sell out. 10 out of 10 would do it but i would only do it if they didn't pay us money i'd yeah, be like yeah. i'm not getting paid for this I just want the leather jacket i just want this jacket because i think it's dope <laughs> <laughs> i guess one more thing about the band that uh, i want to ask too because i don't think we ever talked about it back uh in forecast when we first met is the name penny and sparrow like where yeah. did the name originate from and how did y'all come up with it so when we were roommates, we had one other roommate in our room, and it was uh, way too crowded for all three of us. Um, it was basically bed dresser, bed dresser, bed dresser. And he was an author or a writer, um, and he wrote under the pen name of Penny and Sparrow. And when we were getting started, we used to just go by sports teams because we, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, it was Nothing was really official for us. So anytime we would play a show, we would be like, hey, we're the Utah Jazz. Happy to be here. <laughs> hey, we're the Dallas Cowboys. And by show, he means like when not somebody in the community was like, hey, we've got a, um, a fundraiser and there's going to be like 13 like, people here. And we, need, we just need somebody to play Matchbox 20 covers in the and background we like, for oh, three we hours. And we're like, oh, we know Rob Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did that a lot and we'd yeah. go by sports teams. So we'd go right? by sports teams and eventually we did one that was uh, paid uh, albeit not very much money, <laughs> we were paid. And so um, they came up to us and basically were like, hey, you can't be a sports team anymore. This is making me look bad. Please don't make me look bad. We just pick, we please just pick anything that's not Utah Jazz. Yeah. And so our uh, our roommate who went by Opinion Sparrow, uh, we, basically, we just asked him, we're like, hey, can we just use your name? And then anything we do in this room, we'll do under the guise of Opinion Sparrow. And... Uh, that's where it just kind of stuck. We just mm-hmm. kept it, and here we are. We years I, later, dude. When we picked that name, when we saddled ourselves with that, we we didn't think that this was going to be where we would be. You mm-hmm. know, seven years later. Yeah. Like if that, we did, we would be the Utah Jazz. Hell yeah, man! <laughs> oh, what a great name yeah. that would have been. Yeah. But we we picked it. Somebody not, be Carmelone is their middle name over. Oh my here. god, Stockton oh, and Malone, be baby! Amazing <laughs> NBA Jam Tournament Edition all day. We just get to wear jerseys on stage god. all the time. What were we god. thinking? We had to go all serious. Anyway, um, no use crying over spilled. Yeah, I know. We can't do it. We have yeah. this name. Yeah, we, we got to move on. It's time to move on. It. Yeah. But yeah, man, we didn't, we didn't think it was going to be a thing. We, we thought mm-hmm. that, because like the idea of making it, hey, that's a sliding scale, subjective and weird anyway. 
like we get to do music full time and we've gotten to do it full time for a number of years now, which is a, a crazy fact that we're crazy grateful for. But we didn't expect that. Like we weren't looking at that when we picked this band name. And I'm not even saying it would have been different had we had we looked at each other and be like, "We're gonna make it, Kyle. Mm-hmm. You and me, man, to the top, baby." But like maybe we would have picked that name, or maybe we would have considered it a totally different avenue. But uh, honestly, part of what I feel in my chest is just happy to be here. Can't believe this is still happening. Mm-hmm. So glad. Mm-hmm. I mean, was there a was there a turning moment or something where you're all like, "Oh, this is this is real." Like what what was like that that gig or that venue or that whatever it was when something like turn, you're like, Oh, I I can quit working or I can quit doing, I can just focus on music all the time. Like what was, what was that moment for y'all? That's tough, man. Like a singular moment eludes me. Like it, cause it feels so uh, built upon brick after brick after brick of next steps. And every, every career is different in the music world. Like I've never, it's all different fingerprints. So it's hard to, to really decide like to say, that that's how it works for every single person. Yeah. Like some people might have a moment. But yeah, I, I feel there's like, like the meteoric talents of like, like you mentioned earlier, like we love Ariana Grande and like there's the meteoric talent of this human who's so good, who can dance on the heads of pins, has a whistle register, and before she's 26 can have this unbelievably gigantic career because, I mean, she's she's got the goods for it. And then that's so many people's story. I mean, not a lot of people, but some people have that. Other people have sort of what we've had, which is, honestly, man, it's been this weird, crazy, slow building block trajectory upward where more and more people tell their friends about our music, and that's made enough money for us to make the next record and then make the next record and get a little bit more notoriety. And a few more people know who we are. A few more people start listening. And it's felt like a really beautiful mixture of creative and blue-collar and we couldn't have routed this for anybody. When new musicians come over and ask us, like, hey, I've listened to your music for years. What advice would you give us? We sort of look at each other and be like, I don't know, no, man. Yeah. We can tell you what we Don't did. give up. Yeah, I can, yeah. Yeah, I, I can give <laughs> really? you our autobiography in a few minutes, but I, there's no chance that that would work for another person. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just like play your ass off, sing your ass off, sing for as many people as you possibly can, and only release things that you love. Yeah, and speaking of releasing things you only love, talk about Finch a little bit because it's your your latest album, the one yeah. they just came out with. Uh, so, kind of talk about it. Uh, it is different than our other stuff, which I I dig. Um, I think it was in the the beginning phases of my R and B phase. Uh, so there is <laughs> right. there's a little bit of R and B, a little bumping, uh, grinding, just going. a little there bit, is. Just yeah, a just little a little bit, bit. just a, a taste. small amount. Um, it, it's more rhythmic than our previous stuff in. Um, it's it's a really fun album. I'm the way it came to fruition was really cool. The way that we recorded it because we were in different states, yeah. uh, we didn't know what we were going to end on, and what we ended on, we're just really happy with. It's just a fun record to sing and to play. And yeah, I feel like he's right. Like he brought new melodies to the table. I got to bring new word bank stuff for this record. I don't know that. I mean, I, we've had fun making all the previous records, but to Kyle's credit, this is the first record that I can look at and say, I think people will leave this record saying, that's fun. Like, this is a mix of high and low intermingled with heavy emotional depth, but not sacrificing joy. Like, there's legitimately jubilant songs on this record, which uh, there's been joy in our previous ones, but this one is like straight up crack a smile and, and bop your head, which is a different color to paint with for us. Mm-hmm. And we got to paint with it a few times on this record. 
I, I feel like it's decidedly still our DNA, still our fingerprint, but we got to do a thing that we'd wanted to experiment with, which is we wrote songs that were new. We're experimenting with different soundscape, with different production, like all that stuff. So I like this being another brick in the wall of a career because that's what we've been building on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So next time, just wait, because it's going to be straight, genuine boys to men. <laughs> Joe to see. Because I'm deep in the R&B now, so mm-hmm. it's just going to be insanely R&B. Yeah. So enjoy the like middle folk, or rosé rock, yeah. if you will, because now it's going to be rosé R&B. I heard that. Still R&B. Straight baby. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> so, you know, as we kind of like uh, tail off on this, you know, I think uh, I talked to Joe and we said we could probably use a soundbite here on the podcast too, yeah. but there was also one song that uh, when we, when you talked about it last night, you're like, this is our fastest song, right? Mm-hmm. The newest one on Finch, yeah. right? You know, yeah. it's kind of a little more upbeat, something like that. So Just blisteringly quick. The name's escaping me. It's like, don't, don't want to be without, without you. Don't want to be without you. That's it. Um, so, so kind of talk about the vibe behind the song and really what you're trying to accomplish with it. Yeah. It's a, we love Simon and Garfunkel. Um, we, we love, uh, Paul Simon wrote, um, an album Graceland that is, uh, really unique and out there. And between those two Graceland album and, uh, just everything Simon and Garfunkel, we, we realized that we wanted to do a, a song similar to either that or like Cecilia, um, from Simon and Garfunkel, and I also looked at our previous work and just realized uh, to, for us to change and evolve, we wanted to, to start the foray into faster, funner music, um, and this was just kind of our first attempt at it, uh, and and so we basically just got bur- bourbon drunk, I think, and mm-hmm. you don't have to think it. It was song. a fact. Is that what it was? <laughs> That's what we got. That's, that is what we got. Yeah, and we had a we had a reference track, which is sort of like. Anybody who's a musician knows that when they go in, they may have a certain song that inspired them or like production wise, they're like, I'd really like to have some of this DNA in this track. And for us, I feel like it's akin, if not cousins with the song Cecilia by Simon and Garfunkel, which to me is this really intense emotional song with a lot of depth and a lot of angst and sadness all wrapped up in really jubilant package. Like it's so happy, Mm -hmm. so vibrant, so full of life, so rhythmic. And all of that is him talking about, like, you broke, you ruined me. Cecilia, you ruined me. Like, you are the object of my affection and you have decimated my heart. And so all of that is wrapped up in this, this like a package, smiley rhythm. A smiley rhythm. And so for us, we we're like, man, what would it be like to write a reincarnation love song where you looked at somebody and said, every iteration of you that you ever will become or have been, I'm into. And so before the next life, before you pick what you're going to be, just tell me so that when I'm done, I can pick the same thing. And so I wanted to write something of that much affection, that much um, emotionally enamored devotion in a really smiley track. And we did it. I think it's a home run. I think everybody Thanks. loves it. I mean, even last night people were were digging it. So I mean, it's it's my one of my wife's favorite tracks on the new album nice. too. So yes. All right. So keep it up. I mean, I, whatever whatever you all are doing, keep drinking bourbon and keep writing songs. Definitely right? will. Oh, check to both. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna kind of wrap it up from here. So make sure that you follow Penny and Sparrow. They're on all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter. 
Probably a Facebook official page too, right? We're there, I'm man. sure we got that. Yeah, we got Every, that. there, everything. We don't uh, have a TikTok yet. Heard no TikTok. What, sorry, guys. Heard that's what's sorry. up now. We need to get on that. What about Snapchat? Can they find you on Snapchat? No, no. I can't. We're not on Snapchat. It's too much effort. There's so many things. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's just like I'll probably I'll probably fool around with some TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Ask us about 3 a.m. after this yeah. Louisville trip and be like, yeah, "We on TikTok right. now, baby? <laughs> Give me one more bourbon pour and we'll download the app today." <laughs> we might do it after yeah. this for sure. So make sure you go uh, follow them on all the socials. Make sure you go check out Finch. Uh, check it out on any streaming service. You can. They've got albums coming out. Talk about it as well because I know uh, we're leading up into Christmas time. Kind of talk about oh, yeah. that too. Yeah, we've got. We made a Christmas album a few years ago called Christmas Songs. Quite apropos. And this will be the first year that it's always been able to stream since we released it a few years ago. But we're pressing it to vinyl, and so uh, and it's not too many. So it's so, limited. So you got to go yeah. snag so one. You got to go get one. it. But yeah. Just like, be, just like bourbon. Just like bourbon. Yeah. This is your bourbon hunt. It is our Christmas album <laughs> yeah. on vinyl. So go get it. If you want one, we'd like that. Awesome. Well, fantastic, guys. Thank you again for coming on the show today. You know, understanding your story, your connection with bourbon. I think it really connects with our fans too. And hopefully we made some new Penny and Sparrow fans out there as well. Man, thanks so much for having Thank us, brother. Yeah. It's awesome. Absolutely. And so follow these guys on social media. Follow us, Bourbon Pursuit, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We don't have an album, but you already know you're already subscribing to us on podcast. So <laughs> maybe we'll one day there'll be a vinyl. Absolutely. <laughs> Gosh, that'd, that'd be terrible to listen to. <laughs> a bunch of guys talking about bourbon on vinyl. Who knows? In to it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a market. <laughs> always could be. Always could be. So with that, we're going to play you out with uh, Don't Want to Be Without You. Cheers, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Say what if we reincarnate And whatever God said It's your turn for choosing Would you rather come back Be born in a circle See the oldest garden The crescent is fertile or would you prefer to see life underwater? Only knowing oceans have hundreds of daughters There's a part of hope that is sown in this theory Give me any species and keep yourself near me